You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. EntrepreneurIgnited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip all the hype, skip all the BS, and bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your digital business from real digital entrepreneurs. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be exploring the art and science of storytelling and the real pivotal role that it plays in building a successful business online these days. And, you know, the fact is this marketing has and is changing. And uh, if you truly want to create an engaged and loyal uh, customer, base in what has become a relatively noisy marketplace, crafting a compelling purpose and, uh, and story is really key. And uh, today's guest is an incredible digital strategist and storyteller that I've personally had the privilege of working with in past companies. And over his career, he has worked with and mentored various corporations and individuals to help them define and refine their purpose and craft a story uh, to connect and engage their audiences in this ever-evolving digital world. Um, and after, you know, just recently I, I heard his uh, his TED Talk. I watched his TED Talk online, and I knew after watching that, I'm like, i got to get him on the show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Bosco Anthony to the show. Bosco, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Derek, for, for having me on the show. I'm truly humbled. I, uh, I, I, was, I was very, very happy to hear from you and uh, brought back a lot of really good memories from, from, our, from our old days when we were both uh, in the same online marketing space. That's true. Yeah, we had some adventures for sure. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here. So, I, Guy, you just did a TED Talk. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. Tell me about that. Well, you know, how was that? Well, it was it was a very humbling process. Um, it was about 250 hours in the making. If anyone ever wants to do a TED Talk, what people see is is the 18 minutes, which is the final product. And uh, there's there's such an intricate process to get there. You know, everything from the application process to the preparation process to the rehearsals to learning about body language and tonality and and you know i was fortunate to be part of the the road team at uh, at a previous life with with you and uh, i i learned a lot about just the, the art of of an idea and how to tell a story and how to captivate an audience so yeah it, it was a very long process it was a three-year journey for me I, you know i'd applied a couple of times and i was fortunate to to get the nod at tedx stanley park and it was very exciting and when i got on stage I was happy to connect with the audience right away. They, they were they were very generous and acknowledged me very quickly, and that sort of gave me that that encour- encouragement to finish the talk and and, and do it really well. But it, it was a roller coaster ride. I mean, I I think I got off the stage and I kept asking myself, did I forget a line? Did I forget something? But <laughs> I, I practiced Derek probably for 250 days straight, looking at the mirror and in the shower to the point where I just couldn't rehearse anymore. Wow. Really? Wow, that's incredible. Uh, so, so you had it memorized verbatim. Uh, well, I went off script. Uh, my did coaches you? Were, yes, I did. I went, I went off script a couple of times. So what happened was um, the coaches have very high standards, and they have what we call a formula when it comes to how to uh, captivate a TED audience based on their own research and everything else. So they require you to provide a script, uh, at least for this particular TEDx, and then uh, work on it. And so I went through 25 scripts through a collaborative process in a span of a few months. But um, on the day of the TED event, there were things that were flowing through my mind that I felt were what I, what I call really interesting triggers that I wanted to use to engage with the audience. So um, probably about 30 minutes before I got up on stage, I took my script and pulled a pencil. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to start inserting some new things. So <laughs> probably not the safest thing to do, but it just made sense. And yeah. I was fortunate to do it because um, I, I, I put in about four or five uh, things that, that weren't on the script and, and it, it works really well with the audience. And it was just me having fun and, and trying to be authentic with the audience as well. Well, I, I, wa- I couldn't be there. I wish I was. I was out of town when that was happening. I wish I was there, but I did watch your talk online and it was awesome so thanks man I appreciate uh, huge congrats which is you know that's fantastic so 
let, let's dig into this. I mean, sure. you've been in digital marketing for a really long time, and, right. and your expertise now and, and a lot of your talks are involved around storytelling and how it's you know impacting digital marketing. But I think to really understand – for our listeners to kind of understand how uh, storytelling has become such an important place in the sort of the marketing machine today um, – right. Let's talk a little bit about how it's the digital world's evolved over the years, because I mean, it didn't used to be as much about storytelling, I don't think. And I think absolutely, it's, absolutely, you're right. You know, it, it has evolved. So walk us through this. You know, yeah. this evolution. So I was I was 24 years old, and uh, I ended up ending up stumbling across an elevator. And I remember I had seen your course through through an interview, and and so I did my research, and I ran into you into the interview. And the first thing I, I sort of got starstruck when I first met you, and I was like, "You're Derek L," and you were looking at me very strangely, and, <laughs> and you had no idea that at that point I was about to start working at the company. I was just you know, and I was so excited. I was just like, you know, I'm really excited to be working here. And, and you were very polite, and, and and at that time I started to learn a lot about online marketing and, and you know that these were the days just after Corey and uh, you know being an affiliate manager at that point I got to see a different breed of online marketers and this was this was what we call the old guard and, and the marketing back then was really based on um, the fact that people wanted to be online and people want to build a business online and really grow their brand. So we saw a lot of what we call now pitch marketing. We, we, we saw a lot of people that sold the, the dream of, of, um, uh, working from home and earning a six figure income as we, you know, we call it back then, but there was a need at some point to change. And, and Gary Vaynerchuk, who's, who's well known in the social media space, said that marketers ruin everything for people. <laughs> and <laughs> it couldn't be true for the internet marketing space because after a while, people just started abusing the system and people just started just throwing everything and anything at selling things. So you would see a marketer say he's going out of a business and you know this is his final offer with a discount and then three weeks later he's back up again and running yeah. his business. So totally. at that point there was a need for authenticity and at that point there was a need for uh, for us to change because we were also changing our audience where we were starting to see the rise of the millennial who was a little bit more cautious before they made an online purchase or an investment in it. So um, this is when content started to grow and, and we've gone through different stages of media. We call it, you know, own media, earn media, and now we're currently in the in the world of the paid media. And so essentially the the, the concept of storytelling really started after pitch marketing started just not getting as effective anymore. And you could start to see this through email campaigns where your open rates, your bounce rates were just declining steadily because you couldn't use the old tactics anymore. And so it sort of challenged marketers to start evolving to telling their story online and doing a better job of what their intention was. So an effective story today that has a really massive following typically has a purpose in life or a business purpose in life. And I, I, I would constantly say that you can't tell a story if you don't have a purpose. Exactly. So, okay. So, I, I agree that that uh, with everything you just said there, and uh, when you say pitch marketing, uh, I'm going to call it direct response. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, I mean, to an extent, it, it, scientifically, that's what we call it is direct response marketing, right? Where we're yep. going out there with a pitch, yep. and uh, and and you know, if we take the online marketing space, you're right. You know, I mean, it, it was it got abused. And, uh, you know, everybody making the same claims. And, and eventually, you know, when you got 10 guys that are making the same claim, um, you know, th and, and many of them completely outrageous, how do you stand out from that, right? And I think, you know, this is where we've now evolved our marketing to a more sophisticated level where we definitely do need this, uh, this storytelling component of it. But do you think that the pitch is uh, well. Let me rephrase that. I I think the pitch still needs to be there, but it needs to be worked in or subsequent to the storytelling process. What are Absolutely. your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, sales is not a bad thing. I mean, someone once said, you know, to sell is human. I mean, we people don't like being sold; they like buying things. Yes. So there's a big difference there, and I think that. What that means to us today is is that your your customer 
is is coming to you. It's an inbound world now. You know, if you look at the rise of Amazon, if you look at um, digital commerce, if you look at landing pages now, it's all associated to an inbound platform, similar to the times when we talked about the importance of keyword research. Um, essentially, we have now moved to a world where the customer is picking your presence or your product or your services as opposed to you going to the market and trying to pitch it to someone. That doesn't mean that direct marketing responses don't work. It's just become more customized and more segmented as opposed to let's throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And I, and I agree. And I, and I think it's, it's – um, there's so much more noise in the markets online now as well mm. that – uh, you know, it's very rare to be in a market where you don't have a competitor. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you stand out? And, and, yeah. and believe it or not, we're now in a world where there's no such thing as competitors because even now the competitors are starting to align with each other. I can't tell you how many strategies that I've done where we've been able to influence uh, competitors to sort of come on board and work a win-win situation. And, and you know, I have to say, uh, Derek, you, you were one of the pioneers that basically created collaborative marketing. I mean, you were part of one of the most successful affiliate marketing brands, uh, and that carried for a while. And so, mm -hmm. you know, back then we called it affiliate marketing, and now we're calling it influencer marketing. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because when you when you really look at it, a lot of it did exist in in a a form that was you know congruent with the technology back then. And it does exist. It's just changed its name. It's changed how it's delivered yep. in, in so many ways, right? So, yep. internet marketing is now called digital marketing. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Email marketing is now called inbound marketing. It, it, it's <laughs> totally. just, it, it's 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 one of those things where you just sort of smile because if you've been through the the, the stages of evolution, you'll you'll start to realize that the concept of marketing hasn't really changed that much. It's the people that have changed. It has. And and I mean, you know, I think one of the underlying things here that goes back to the marketers ruin everything is, you know, when marketers get their hands on something, eventually it gets abused and they have to rename it so that it's now acceptable again. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, you know, it's so true. Like email marketing, oh, you're a spammer. No, no, I'm an inbound marketer. That's right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I mean, it, it's, it's like social media. I mean, back then it used to be called lunchroom at IMC where we used to play poker. And that used to be social media. Now we're doing it on platforms. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. It's so true. So, okay, let's talk about storytelling now right because sure. I, I think my audience our listeners here we're not big corporations right? right we're we're small businesses and and most of us including i have no desire to be a big corporation again been there done that but, don't want to do it again and uh so how does storytelling i mean from a big brand perspective a corporate that's great but from the for the average guy that's getting online starting something how does storytelling play a role where does it fit into the to the, the whole marketing mix and i guess what i'm trying to drive towards here bosco is it's um storytelling it's kind of uh it, it's it's not a hard tangible thing in right. the sense of, you know, send an email, get a response, right? right. Um, it's a little softer. It's, it's not as measurable, I guess you could say. So explain it. Give us right. something tangible so people can go, ah, I get it. So, story, so storytelling is, is a short form of uh, digital media production that basically allows people to share aspects of their life through different platforms or mediums. That's basically the scientific definition today of what our digital storytelling looks like. In a marketing perspective, digital storytelling really comes down to um, taking your story to the market and then applying the content uh, foundations to telling that story. So everything from the tonality of your voice online to the, uh, the edge, what format are you going to be using? Is it going to be edgy? Is it going to be millennial-based? Is it going to be classic? Is it going to have an elegance to it? Then you look at the technology for that story. Are you going to be doing it more visually? Is it going to be an infographic? Is it going to look like a blog? Is it going to have email substances? So essentially, storytelling is a generic term that takes all concepts of content engineering, everything from research to content development to content uh, publishing and distribution to content metrics, and then traffic funnels. Because a, a classic piece of marketing is, is building a traffic funnel from the content and then directing that traffic to the landing pages as a subtle form. 
off marketing. And that's where the metrics lie. Got it. Okay. So can you give us an example? Sure, absolutely. So I'll give you a great example. I sit on a board uh, off the ugly Christmas sweater party, and, and you might appreciate this because you know it's very hard to find a niche today. So the ugly <laughs> Christmas party started with people wearing ugly Christmas sweaters and, and basically having a house party. So four brothers, two, two sets of brothers, started this house party 12 years ago, and the concept took off. And uh, it started to become a movement because people want to belong to a purpose. People want to belong to a movement. And their purpose was to create smiles. And so what they did was they managed these events. And as time went along, these events started to turn into profit margins. And they took the profit margins and they gave it to the Children's Wish Foundation to grant wishes. And, and from there, they built a foundation and, and, and you know they started to grow and they built a following. From a storytelling perspective, they had all the elements about storytelling, which is people, memories, and experiences. What they didn't do was take that story and put it online. So when they hired me as a board member, I realized that there was a really big need to tell the story online. So within the first event, we, ha- we basically hired photographers, digital cameramen, and we created over f- about 5,000 pieces of micro-content, everything from photos to videos, And we basically created custom videos and we started showcasing this on YouTube videos. We started showcasing this on landing pages. We started putting this on Instagram. We started posting every single day using hashtags and basically taking this visual content and bringing it to the market. What we didn't realize was that we were building a movement and a culture. So um, this party started to sell out because every time we started publishing this inbound content and sending traffic to landing pages, we were selling our events. I'm happy to say we're taking this across Canada. We're bringing it to Victoria this year, and we sold out our marathon last year. And our goal in the next two years is to take this across Canada. But what's powered us has been the story. And, and now we're fortunate to take more funds and now grant wishes in other platforms mm-hmm. um, as well. So with Victoria, we're partnering up with power to be which is a movement that uh, helps people uh, with disabilities to, to enhance the outdoor experience. So what is the story there? The story there is basically um, the will to create smiles through event-based marketing. So the events are typically marathons and parties, and the ugly Christmas sweater is the tool on how we celebrate this particular uh, event. So people, have you ever... Think about this. When you go for a marathon, most people are dressed into sporting gear. Mm-hmm. Here, we have people running around in ugly sweaters and a giant movement of them. We're talking 1,200 runners right? in ugly Christmas sweater parties. So that's our niche. And then we have uh, parties where people show up and you know, they have a good time. We have bands. We have beer sponsors. We have you know, it, it's, it's fun family events that go on. And it's all about connecting with the community. That's the story. Right. Okay. So now uh, there's a word that you keep uh, have been using when you're talking about storytelling, and that's right. pur- purpose. Yes. Right. So I, I assume that purpose plays a really significant role in creating a compelling story. So, yes. So, talk purpose, about that. Yeah. So, purpose for me is defined as, for an entrepreneur, it's defined as one's business compass. It's It's why you start up in the first place. And, and before I answer what purpose is, Derek, I want, I'm going to take you back here because this is we're going to go through a history lesson. If you look back now, what was the purpose for you being an online entrepreneur and pioneer? Oh, I was unemployable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and, and what's made you stay there for such a long time? Uh, wow, the freedom it gives me. The, the freedom to, to, to earn more money than I ever could as an employee Right. And, and to do it on my own terms. Correct. So people get inspired by different purposes. And so um, in business, it's, it's the same thing. And in and, and today's market, people don't just follow a product or solution. They follow a movement. They follow a purpose. Um, so purpose is defined as a compass or a business's compass or if it's a personal brand, one's personal compass. And so when it comes to storytelling – you need to have a purpose to then go captivate the audience. You know, you can't you can't just create a viral campaign without understanding what a viral campaign is. You know, and this is where a lot of marketers make a lot of mistakes because some marketers will go pay a storytelling studio thousands and thousands of dollars to create a viral campaign. Meanwhile, there's a woman who goes to Kohl's, picks up a Chewbacca mask, sits in her car, 
puts the mask on, <laughs> laughs crazily, and all of a sudden she gets millions and millions of hits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so purpose is what drives people to engage. Purpose is what drives people to react. Purpose is what drives people to take action in, in today's world. And, and so uh, my personal purpose, for example, in life is to leave people better than I found them. And, and that is in everything I do, in business decisions, in partnership decisions, in speaking decisions. Um, I'm always trying to leave the person that I'm interacting with better than I found them. If, if someone can take even one piece of concept and say, I found that valuable, my job is complete. And that's how I built my personal brand over the years is that authentic piece of storytelling. And, and, and so when it comes to building a, a storytelling strategy uh, or content engineering strategy, it goes back down to why are we doing this in the first place? What is our why? What, how are we going to help the people online benefit from this? And, and you know, if you look at this podcast, you're bringing people from different walks of life, but there's one common theme, and that common theme is empowering the entrepreneurs. That's the purpose of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So without that purpose, your content's flat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so I, I wonder, and I suspect a lot of people that, that have started a business do have a purpose, but they're not actually effectively communicating it in their actual absolutely. message. And I, you must come across that. Every day, <laughs> every day. So that's the reason why I'm relevant. I'll give you an example of a client that recently, um, this was, a, this was one of those CEO moments that I call the awkward moments. So <laughs> I, I spoke at a conference and a marketing coordinator um, contacted me and she said, you know, I found your talk very inspiring. Here's my challenge. I have a CEO that's been sitting on my uh, proposal and I haven't really managed to get anywhere. So she asked me to come in and present to the CEO. So I gave him an hour presentation of what you know digital marketing is, and he was blown away with the examples and case studies and what his competitors were doing. And he looked at his marketing lady and said, why are we not doing this? Why have I hired you? And she looked at him, and there was this awkward silence, and she looked at him and she said, actually, I proposed this four months ago. It's still sitting on your desk. And she pointed to it, and it was right next to his pile of things that he hasn't attended to. <laughs> so then I responded, and I said, what is the business purpose of having employees in, in your firm? And he said, well, to empower them. And I said, well, you're not doing that. You're not empowering people because you're holding on and basically blocking them from doing what they're supposed to do. That's why I'm here. So anyways, this story is, I tell this story because that woman now is VP of marketing and you know we're good friends and I consult them and uh, she now has the freedom to do what she was supposed to do in the first place. But Derek, you've seen this as well with so many of the, the big players that you've mentored in Masterminds as well where they're supposed to do one thing but they end up going back to doing the old things that end up preventing them from actually pushing the, the envelope. Sure, Absolutely. That that that's so, so that I see that a lot in in the workspace, and it's because people are afraid of taking risks, putting them out, out putting themselves out there. Uh, my favorite story is when a CEO comes to me and says, "I'd like an online presence on Twitter," and I said, "Well, you can't just order it; you actually have to be that <laughs> online presence." <laughs> and this was a CEO for a major banking firm in Canada, and he says, "Well, can't you just tell my voice?" And I said, "Well." I don't think I look like you. First, I'm tanned. I'm six <laughs> four, and uh, yeah, it won't it, it won't work. And yeah. so, you know, that's 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 the reason why uh, it, it, authenticity in, in today's business is really the, the game changer. Well, and that's a, that's a really important word, authenticity, because so many people are trying this yep. whole social storytelling, but they're trying to do it through an outsourced firm in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they wonder why there's zero engagement, there's zero impact, and it's yes. because there's no authenticity. And you know, I, right now I I'm I, I'm setting up a, a big social campaign for something I'm working on and it it's 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 got to be my voice. And I know that you know what? I need to sit down and I need to lock myself away, and I need to create. If it's going to be Twitter, I need to write a few hundred tweets. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, you know, the beauty is technology exists where we can batch it. Yeah, but but, but you are the voice of your brand. I, I have to be the voice. Absolutely, Derek. And, and and this is this is the thing that you know I think stood us apart, even as an online marketing educational platform. Uh, the proudest thing that I can say about the seminars we were involved in is we took. 
our seminars to the market. And for three days or two days, we were giving out content. And we were not just giving out the basic content. We were giving out quality content to empower people to see the big landscape. Because Mm -hmm. what we did was we stopped telling people that this is a a quick fix that you can, you know, have a six-figure income tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And we showed them how. And that, that is something that basically at our time I felt was probably one of the most authentic approaches that, uh, that inspired a lot of the people that, that were part of that, that brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's the th- and it's interesting you bring that up because I just went through a, a bit of a, an evolution in some of the events I was doing in Asia. And, uh, uh, you know, I was brought in, uh, I was working with a company there and they said, hey, you know, let's do a two-hour event where you can introduce your product. And, and I did the two-hour event, and, you know, it was, it was successful. But at the end of the day, I didn't feel like I was really able to connect and give value and connect with the right people in the audience. So when I went back, I said, look, I don't want to do two-hour. I mean, it's, it's just a sales pitch. Right. And so I want to spend an entire day and give away an entire, like, an education. Uh-huh. And the, what I immediately noticed post those events, the people that I started working with were overall higher quality, mm-hmm. more engaged, uh, just all the way across the board by, by creating that extra um, connection with them, by giving that extra value. Uh, and also be, in that longer period of time, I had more time to be authentic, to give them um, to set more realistic expectations and stuff and, and to still get the same results. So, you know, everything you said there really resonates. And, uh, and, and it's funny because at the time, I don't know if we were really all that aware of what we were doing as much as we just knew we wanted to give value. Yeah. Yeah. We, and, and I think, I think, you know, someone calls it today, embracing the hero within yourself. I think, I think what captures a an ideal customer today is someone that feels that your solution is a hero to their life, and 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 you embrace it that way because you're there to to empower them, you're there to give them the resources, you're there to guide them, and 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 then there's that what we call the usability perspective. So if it's a product, they're using it and they're enjoying it, very similar to how we're using a certain technology to record this podcast, right? So there's a need, there's a demand, but at the end of the day, if you can create that hero formula where the person can rely on your product or, or your offering, it doesn't make a difference if you change it a bit or you change the look or the design or the concept or the course, let's say, evolves as, as the years go along. As long as they fall in love with the hero concept, you've, you've, got, you've got a lifetime value right there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's shift gears a little bit right sure. now. Let's, let's talk about social media and some of the trends that are happening because, I mean, social media is... I feel like we went through a stage where we had Facebook, we had Twitter. Right. Right. And, and, and they grew and grew and, and there was a little bit of noise here and there. Um, and then, you know, over the last few, you, then you had Pinterest and, and stuff like that. But right. I feel like we've just, over the last few years, sort of two years in particular, it's really starting to change. And there's disruptors coming in and there's new stuff happening. Yes. Um, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, at first, I mean, let, let's address the, the. There's always that one person that says, "Is social media relevant?" So uh, let's start <laughs> off there because uh, the, the problem with social media, and I use this concept in different senses, very similar to storytelling and purpose as well. Social media was once referenced as teenage sex. Everybody wanted to do it. Not many people knew how. And mm-hmm. what that means really is that everybody wanted to get on the train to figure out what this was. And, and so they started doing things blindly. And social media has evolved from that. You know, it went from the stage of owning your media and earning your media to now hitting a world of what we call paid media. And we're now moving into the broadcast media. And I'll explain what that is. So um, when we talk about paid media, we're talking about social advertising. So you look at some of our clients today that, you know, a real realtor, for example, he'll put a post on Facebook and organically he'll have maybe 1% of viewership from his following. He'll put $10 to advertise that same post and he'll get 10,000 viewers. So what that's telling us today is that these social platforms are forcing us to now take their ad, our advertising dollars and rather than just paying Google advertising, to, to invest in social media because they have better behavioral demographics, in some cases better than Google does. Mm-hmm. So you can target 
uh, location-based marketing, mobile marketing, very similar to Google. You can now uh, target behavioral marketing, group marketing, and basically have a custom set of exposure based on social advertising. So that has grown significantly to the point where it's in the billions, and it's 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 basically outperforming what Google used to do on paid ads. Mm-hmm. And so Google has now had to challenge and also now look at mobile marketing and everything else. Now, YouTube, for example, which is also owned by Google, has come up with their own form of advertising, which is what we call TrueView marketing. And what TrueView marketing is, is you only pay for videos that have been watched a certain period on that particular video ad. So if it doesn't hit that minute marker, let's say someone watches it only for two seconds, you don't pay for that ad. So it's, it's evolving. And, and that social advertising space is growing significantly. The reason because of this is because it all comes down to eyeballs and exposure. So conversations are happening. Um, there are marketers on social that are unfortunately abusing the system, which is why Facebook has been the more predominant policy upholder when it comes to what you can and cannot do on social media. Mm-hmm. But we're also seeing a stage right now of what we call micro-content. And micro-content started with Instagram videos and Vines and then that grew to, you know, um, basically Snapchat, which is where the millennials are hanging out right now. Brian Fanzo is a really big influencer in the Snapchat space. Um, he's a millennial that basically speaks to the millennial market. And now brands like Audi and brands uh, that are like, you know, Burger King and all are now creating Snapchat videos to sort of build that social following for the millennial market. And even even the, our Canadian Parliament has a Snapchat account that's constantly feeding and disrupting the space with content. So micro content and social advertising are the two really big trends going on. The thing that we're going to see more of is what we call the broadcasting media, which is the live streaming. Mm-hmm. And live streaming started with LinkedIn doing LinkedIn publishing, where you could publish an article and your entire following would see your article. That evolved from LinkedIn to Facebook Live, where you see these videos now that says, your friend is now live. And we have Meerkat and Periscope and all these different formats that are allowing people to become the voice of the brand, which is perfect for an entrepreneur because now he has a platform to stand on. Uh, Ten years ago, we didn't have that video captivating software that basically allowed us to build a personal brand. And, and, you know, I look at Gary Vaynerchuk. He used Vimeo videos to start his wine library way back in the day, Mm -hmm. way back in the day. Now it's so much easier. You know, it's so much easier to create your own podcast, your own episodes, and and build content from there. And, and and the reason why is because we have smartphones, and that's where we consume most of our content. When I'm on the road, I'm watching my Game of Thrones episodes on my iPad. Mm-hmm. So because of digital streaming and because of how accessible video content is, um, we're seeing a massive movement on social media. And so from a business or a brand or an entrepreneur perspective, you go where your market hangs out. You don't go and create your own marketing space. You go where the market hangs out and show up and you build your brand from there. Um, and that's why even with YouTube music, it's outperforming iTunes because that's where the kids are going. Right. right. So, so, so social media is, is it relevant? Yes. Is it done very well? Yes and no. Uh, I think that you know, there, there's a lot of e- evolution that's still happening. But let's not forget that this is just technology. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, we got to invest in a Snapchat strategy and a theory and we need to invest in an Instagram strategy. They're just platforms where people are having conversations. And if you can go in with that concept, everything else is just adaptable and repurposable. Now, so totally awesome, incredible information you just gave there. Now, let's take a step over to micro content. Yes. Because I think micro content is probably one of the biggest head scratchers, if you will, <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as how do you use it for business? I mean, right. the, the ad platforms, they're designed for business, right? right. Um, right. I mean, and God bless Facebook's ad platform because it's finally making Google step up their game and it's finally opened up uh, an incredible source of of traffic for just so many businesses and then you've got the the live streaming live streaming makes perfect sense because effectively you're talking to a live audience and there's no limits or restrictions put on how long you can talk for plus everybody gets a notification when you're live streaming anyone you're following which, which is different from the organic exposure for a post. Exactly. And so now we've got the this micro content. And I guess Twitter was micro content. Um, 
Te- textual, yes. yes. Textual, yeah. And one of the challenges that I see is A, monetizing it, um, and B, keeping up with it. Right. Because, you know, from a monetization standpoint, I mean, Twitter's still kind of a lot of most people haven't figured it out, uh, I would venture to say. And these new platforms, the Snapchat, stuff like that, what's your prediction? How are people going to monetize them or how are they monetizing them already? Well, I think what it comes down to is repurposing and traffic funnels. And mm-hmm. that's so let's let's talk about these two words because basically it answers your question. First of all, in order for you to get on these micro platform channels, you need to be able to have a editorial process but a repurposing pro- process as well. Mm-hmm. So I work with brands to design editorial calendars for example. So I'll go into a brand and we'll create anywhere from a 2 to 3 month editorial calendar. Their voice, their content, but a schedule And what we do is we create what we call filler content on days when we can move or maneuver posts if something happens to the market. So if I'm dealing with a bagel company and they just, you know, there's an article about the world's biggest bagel, and on Monday I needed to schedule another topic, I would just move that content around. It's called adaptable content editorial editorial and publishing. So so what we do then is is we build that editorial process and then we need to republish it or repurpose it. So repurposing really comes down to three formats, video, uh, visuals, and text. Mm-hmm. So video is, you know, 3D videos, short videos, video clips. Um, visuals could be infographics, could be banners, could be photographs, could be mimes, could be vines, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you have the textual sort of content, which is a blog post, an email, an article, a press release. I mean, content it can be consumed in so many different ways. You could take one message or one publishing post and turn it into 75 different other content pieces based on that. Very similar to when I went up on TED and I spoke for TED, they filmed it and published it on YouTube. They took quotes from my talk and published it on Twitter. They took the entire live streaming process and published it on live streaming. They emailed their database and basically took the transcript of my talk and put it on their email database. So essentially what they're doing is maneuvering content. Right. So, so that answers the how do you keep up with the crazy world of Snapchat and all these other things because essentially you're just repurposing it and adapting it to the type of platform it looks like. So mm-hmm. for Snapchat, it could be very simple as live streaming my talk on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, so that's the element of, of adapting to the, to, the, to the platform. As far as monetizing it, it's very simple. It's basically creating traffic funnels. So you'll start to see a lot of these URL shorteners People using uh, bit.ly or geo, uh, I think it's goo.ly or something like that. Yeah. And essentially, what they're doing is is they're creating these micro hyperlinks that sends traffic to landing pages. Um, so I put a post. A, a really great example is when I when I was told that I was speaking for TED and I, and, and I had the nod. I put a really heartfelt post on Facebook, and it was about three paragraphs long about how this was a bucket list for me and how you know it took me five years to get there. And it was very authentic and it, it had, there was no filters. It was basically me just saying how happy I was to, to speak for this auspicious uh, event. And I ended up with saying just a very simple copywriting line that said, if you would like to share this experience with me, please visit this site and grab a ticket. And if you'd like to get a discount, use my name, Bosco. When that post went up at nine o'clock, it sent about 300 visitors to the landing page for the ticket within a few hours. And there was conversion. Mm-hmm. Because the marketing guy called me that night and said, you just blew out all the sales for the day with that one Facebook post. Wow. So that's where monetization exists, is telling yeah. an authentic story and sending traffic because then there's a need for it. And it's inviting people to decide whether they want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the same thing with the realtor. A realtor will put video, a video of an open house, so he'll he'll do a voiceover. You can use Adobe Spark now, film an entire house that's being listed in Vancouver, and uh, you know 
talk about what you're seeing and the visuals. And then he ends with, here's the open house, here's the date. If you're interested, contact me. 20,000 people might see it. And out of that 20,000, there's a percentage of those people that will book an open house. It's safety numbers. That's the monetization funnel right there. And everything you just talked about so far, our listeners here, I always, I always like to bring it back to the listeners because, again, yeah. you know, in, in many cases, you're working with big corporations or larger companies, but even for the individual entrepreneur, which you are, you just gave a perfect example of a heartfelt post with a call to action and an incredible response that you pulled off of that. But there was a story, yes. <laughs> which is All key. Comes down to the story. It comes down to the damn story. Had, had you, had you pitched it i'm speaking at ted if you want to learn blah 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 be there you would have yeah. you would have got crap yeah. and i don't think you would have got a, a fraction of that response but you you put this story together it wasn't long yep it was short it was concise it was heartfelt purpose driven and it got a result which was fantastic now one other thing i just want to rewind on here because you were talking about repurposing content yes and, uh, you know, this is something that I want to, it's, it's, it's been something I've been working on recently as well. And I think this is something that a lot of people, especially getting started, can't wrap their head around. And that is a fact that you can repurpose content um, over and over on social. And, and there's two things I want to bring up here. First of all, somebody asked me this other day. They said, well, why would, why would I send the same tweet out three times? And, you know, just for everybody that's listening, one of the things you need to wrap your head around is if you tweet something, let's say you have a thousand Twitter followers, the likelihood of any large percentage of those seeing that tweet is slim to none. I don't know what the most recent stat is, but you know, it's sort of the life cycle or the, the sort of the, um, how long a tweet is valid for now. It's like, it's like, I think it's a few seconds with the millennial market because I think actually, Here's a funny thing. Uh, Derek, do you watch Game of Thrones at all? Oh, yes. Okay, so I'm a Game of Thrones fan, and and uh, I watched the, the last two episodes, which by far were the best, in my opinion. No spoilers here, but I put a bunch of tweets in there, and it was the first time where the tweets were just being retweeted by millennials that I had no idea existed out there, and it lasted for about two days. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. This is awesome. And I was sharing it with my Twitter buddies, and my Twitter buddies are like, great. The average life cycle for a tweet is 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. And, and so and so that's what I'm trying to get across to my audience is, yeah. look, guys, send out the tweet and then yeah. send it out a few more times. But do it in a different way. So you know what you could do is you could take the same message and recraft it. So you could start off with um, here, let's say if you're a travel blogger mm -hmm. and you wrote something about, you know, the 10 places you need to visit before you die. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, you could post the same tweet, but talk about it from a different perspective and say, this is the ultimate bucket list. And then three weeks from now, you could take the same link and the same blog link where you're sending the traffic to, but change the subject line again and mm -hmm. repurpose it. And then on Instagram, you could say throwback Thursday. Remember the time when I talked about these 10 places to go? Well, I've hit seven of them. How many have you seen from these 10? So it's just about recrafting the conversation and changing how you approach it. And that's more effective because then you're taking a article that has quality content, but you're re-spinning it. Yes. essentially. And, and I've been doing that with my YouTube videos. So the uh, YouTube video for the TED Talk, I've been, because I have followings in different platforms, I've got a few thousand on LinkedIn, I have a few thousand on Facebook, I have a meetup group that's fairly large. Uh, what I do is, is I'm, I'm taking my YouTube video and I'm basically going from one channel to the other and crafting a special message. It's the same content on the back end, mm -hmm. but I'm just crafting it based on the platform. We already got, I think, about 3,000 views in the last seven days. Wow. Wow. So, Using strategy. So, okay. So one of the things that I'm going to, I, I, I want to sort of blend a, a few different strategies here. So I agree, sure. I agree on the rewrite it, right? Promote the yeah. same content, rewrite the, the tweet, write five yeah. different tweets, schedule yeah. them to go. I totally agree. But I think that, and, and I, when I say I think, <laughs> I, I'm actually going to reference a, uh, an interview I did a few weeks ago for the podcast. Right. Uh, I'd never heard of this before, but um, there's now some systems out there. I don't know if you've ever heard of Meet Edgar. Have you heard of Meet Edgar? I've, I've heard of it, yes. Okay, so Meet Edgar is a social media publishing platform. And I've come across another one called eClincher, which right. I've, I've started using as well, which is more full-featured and uh, kind of more like a Hootsuite. 
Yes. Well, but one of the key features that both these platforms has, and it's the primary differentiator for Meet Edgar in the whole sort of social media automation uh, space, is what it does is you can create literally um, content libraries or archives that it will pull from and reuse. So what you can do is you can sit down and you could write, let's say you go out to your, your blog and you've got, you know, 50 posts on there. You could sit down and write three or four tweets for each one of those. And and so let's say we have 50, you end up with a couple hundred tweets. You put them all in this library, you put together a publishing schedule, which is, that's pretty common for, you know, you can do that on Buffer, you can do that on Hootsuite or anything. Yeah. And, and what you can do is you can set this up, let it go. But what it'll do is once it starts to run out of new ones, it starts to repurpose and it starts to learn when it's getting highest responses and it starts to drop the, but it'll, it'll share the same tweets over and over again over time. So I might tweet something today um, for our podcast episode, right? Promoting, you know, Bosco and this incredible interview we did. And then it's going to send that same tweet out potentially uh, a week later, right? Yes. Or two weeks later, but it's now repurposing it. So, you know, I, I'm always looking at it from the, the solopreneur standpoint, right? right? And the solopreneur standpoint is, is we got a eight dozen things going on and we have limited time. So I want to, and here's the thing with socials, if you start to lose momentum, you start to lose, lose engagement, right? So, right. you know, I'm, I'm finding these fascinating tools like Meet Edgar or eClincher where you can now, uh, you can set those up and create these massive libraries that are going to grow over time and uh, continually re reuse it on autopilot. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's an interesting, I think, um, blend of what you're talking about and and repurposing. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 essentially what we're doing now is it's called permission-based marketing, right? We're, we're asking for permission to spread our message. And so the reason why I like to change and craft your, your repurposed tool, let's say, three or four times, is let's say John heard you the first time and, and basically saw that you put a tweet. And mm -hmm. then three weeks later, he sees you again with the mm -hmm. same message. His perception is you're running out of content. But if you recrafted the subject line... Um, He's curious. He might end up on the same blog post, but because you had a different perspective on the front end, he might read it again. And that's the difference there when it comes to changing or crafting it a little, little bit. That doesn't, it's not a biggest game changer out there because, again, it depends how frequently you repurpose and it also depends on who's seeing it the second or the third time. Right. Yeah, and, and and I totally agree with what you're saying. I think yeah. you do need to repurpose and retweak. And when I what I would do is I'd write three or four. Yeah. I guess the point I'm making is in this world where the average tweet has a 30 second you <laughs> know lifespan. lifespan. If you tweet it out to your 10,000 followers, the likelihood is is at that given moment, what percentage of your audience is even looking? Yeah, and so you utilizing that again, you're going to get a di potentially a different segment of your audience, and and more and more. And I, you know, I was skeptical, but this this gentleman who I was interviewing was one of the first guys I've I've talked to in a very long time that says, "Yeah, my primary traffic driver in a health niche, yeah, is Twitter, yeah, and that's the strategy." And well, so he's every platform serves a different perspective, right? I mean, LinkedIn is more professional market. Twitter makes stalking cool. <laughs> um, and, and great for networking. Uh, yeah. Facebook is more where you massage your relationship. Instagram is mostly for um, the the older millennials, and Snapchat is where the younger millennials hang out. And then you've got YouTube, which is basically your your viral um, your, your viral case studies, right? So, but you're right, absolutely. Repurposing is so important, and it's stuff that we did as marketers in the '90s as well. We took our content, evolved it, and said. Here's 2.0. Here's 3.0 because yeah. we made it better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, so Bosco, we're totally uh, we're totally running out of time. Yeah. I, just, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I've loved this, um, and and I could talk about this for days. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we have a podcast that lasts that long. So, <laughs> no worries. Uh, so you know, any last words? You know, as a speaker, as a strategist, you know, what do you advise for the entrepreneurs that are listening today? Well, you know what? I would say hustle until everybody in the room knows your name. And and I would say I was lucky and fortunate to to start my professional online marketing career with you guys. Um, and I learned a lot from you specifically and, and the crew that we worked with. Um, and, and we're now in an age of influencer currency. You know what I mean? We back then wanted to outperform our, our competitors. Today we're aligning with them. Uh, back then we wanted to be the first of the market. Today we're collaborating. It, 
it's it's changed. The whole industry has changed. You can't do this on your own. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, you have to basically work with different people. And I think that that's probably one of the things that you probably missed as well is is the fact that there were times when we just jammed and had some amazing uh, times together on the road or totally. what we were doing. And I think that that's the same sort of aspect today is that the world is changing into a more connected world where through technology, the, the sep- degrees of separation is now changing from six to three. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're getting closer and smaller, and so um, I think you know to sum it up is hustle, have a purpose, tell your story, and then collaborate. Yeah, and and I just want to rewind there because you said you were lucky, and I would disagree with that because you've made your own opportunities, and and you've 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 you as as any successful entrepreneur has done have pushed yourself probably out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was was an affiliate manager working on the phones and then somebody decided to put me on the road and it changed my life. And and I'm so grateful for, uh, for that, for that time because it allowed me to, uh, to really find my inner purpose and actually find my calling. And and I truly enjoy speaking. I truly enjoy being on stage and, and sharing my insights with people because it it really speaks to what I want to do, which is leave people better than I found them. And, and so for the listeners who want to be left uh, better than you found them, where do they find you? You know what, Derek, I'll tell you the concept. Put in the keyword, Bosco Anthony. I'm on the first 40 pages of Google. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on every social platform that has the opportunity to have Bosco Anthony on it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Bosco, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time today and uh, just unconditionally sharing. I, I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much, Derek. Thanks for having me as well. Awesome. All right, everybody. That was uh, social media storytelling expert Bosco Anthony. And as always, any links that we talked about in the interview will be included in the show notes along with the entire transcript of this episode. And you will find them at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget, if you haven't done so already, make sure you've subscribed to this podcast on iTunes if you're on an Apple device or on SoundCloud if you're on an Android device or even on Stitcher. Uh, Any of those will work and you'll automatically have every episode delivered to your device. And while you're there, please leave me a rating, leave me a review because guys, that's the fuel that gives me the momentum, the motivation to continue making this a best info pack podcast for digital entrepreneurs. And now, It is time to take all of the storytelling tips, tools, and strategies that Bosco has generously shared with us today and apply that final essential ingredient to making it work for you. And uh, that ingredient is simple. It's action. So take action. Apply what you've learned. And I will see you in the next episode. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.